scientists can. How do we know there's a God? You can't put him in a test tube. You can't make a mathematical formula of him as Einstein did in relativity. You accept by faith that he is the creator of the whole universe. When Charles Lindbergh took his plane, the spirit of St. Louis, all the stars that he could see spread over the entire sky were just part of our Milky Way, just our little galaxy. But that galaxy is just one tiny part of a universe containing billions of galaxies. And they found now that there are galaxies beyond what they thought was the last one. With billions and billions and billions of planets and stars and suns. And last January, astronomers saw a gamma ray burst that came from way beyond the galaxy. It originated nine billion light years away. How, how, how long would that be? Count it up you mathematicians. One light year is five, well almost six trillion miles. Do you know what a trillion is? I don't. But the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the psalmist said, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. The Bible says in Psalm 33, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Think of it. And then the Bible teaches in this same passage, the third chapter of John, or the next chapter, I guess it's in the fourth chapter, that God is a spirit. God is a spirit. He doesn't have a body like you and me. He's not located in just one place. He's all over the world, all over the universe at the same time. He's not limited by a body. He is spirit. How do you explain that? I don't. But the Bible says something else about him. The Bible says, I am the Lord, I change not. He's unchanging. In all these centuries and trillions of years, he's never changed one iota. In him there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, the Bible says. God does not change. The Bible also teaches that God is a holy God. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Bible says, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. God is absolute purity. I remember when I was a boy in North Carolina, we would all look forward to the day when maybe we'd have a little bit of snow. We didn't get much snow in the place I lived, but boy, when it came, we were excited. And I remember my mother pointed out something to us one day when the snow came. She 
put out some washing, some sheets and towels and shirts and things to hang out. That when the sun came out, it would dry. And then she said, look at the snow. Don't you think it's clean and white? And look at the clothes. The clothes that she had washed that we thought were perfectly white were now dirty in comparison to that snow. And that's the way we are. In, the, in comparison to God, we're dirty. He is absolute holy. But the Bible also teaches that God is a God of judgment. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that is the judgment. There is going to be a time of judgment. And the Bible says that God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. You may confess your sin, but you must pay the consequences. When we abuse the environment, we pay a price. When we break God's moral and spiritual law, we pay a price. The Bible says that God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. There's a day already set aside in God's calendar in which he's going to judge the whole world. But the Bible also says that God is a God of love. The Bible says God is love in 1 John 4, 8. In Jeremiah, it says, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. A popular song a few years ago was, I can't live in a world without love. You don't have to, because God loves you. Whatever your background, however many your sins might have been, how many mistakes you've made, whatever your ethnic background, whatever your educational background, God loves you. And it's an everlasting love, and it's a supernatural love. It's something that we don't understand. It's not eros, love, sexual love. It's not phileo, love, which is friendship love. It's something beyond. It's a supernatural, agape love that only God has, but he can give it to you if you come to his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus Christ was doing on that cross. He was loving you and taking all of your sins and all your failures on him at the cross. Now, have you ever thought why God created man? Many people are asking, who am I? What am I here for? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? God gave man a choice. He created him, put him on this little planet. And he said, he put them in what is called the Garden of Eden in a rock but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it 
for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die God said there's one tree you can have all the fruit in the garden you can eat anything you want to but don't eat of that one tree God was testing man because God gave to man a free will he can make his own choice he doesn't make you a robot he pushes a button and you do what he says he gives you the freedom of choice and in the Garden of Eden God told man from the very beginning but what did man do man and woman the man and the woman ate of the tree they deliberately did it they were deceived by the devil because there's another mystery at that point that goes all the way through the Bible and it comes into our world today the mystery of iniquity the mystery of sin the mystery of the devil and demons and the devil is very real he works hard and he can deceive he can come as an angel of light the Bible says he's very deceptive he slips up on you he comes in your thoughts he comes in your mind we know that something's wrong we read our newspapers and watch the television and we know that something's wrong in our world and this is what is back of the race problem it's sin back of all that is sin and sin is the breaking of the moral law of God breaking of the Ten Commandments breaking of the Sermon on the Mount also poverty and today we have a desperate situation in my opinion much of the world is getting poorer and some of the world's getting richer at the same time and one of these days there's going to be a clash as there always is man has a terminal illness for the mystery of iniquity doth already work the Bible says in 2nd Thessalonians 2 7 how many of the Ten Commandments have you not kept the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray we've turned everyone to his own way we want to have our way not God's way but our way and that's sin and so our basic problems are not social they're not educational it's sin the breaking of God's law the wages of sin is death the Bible says but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord you see sin alienates you from God you're separated from God your spirit you see you're a body but inside your body is a spirit a soul and when you die what happens have you been at the deathbed of someone and seen them slip out into eternity you wonder what happened well the real person left this body this body is going to crumble and decay and go back to dust but the real you is going to live on because the real you leaves the body 
And if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you go straight into his presence and you spend eternity with him. Now, death, death has three dimensions. There's natural death. We're all going to die. When John Kennedy Jr. and his wife, Carolyn, boarded that plane a few weeks ago that he was going to fly, they never dreamed that they would never see home again. Like other young men and women their age, they had great dreams in their lives. Their careers, their marriage. Two of the most wonderful young people I have ever met. I doubt that they entertained a thought that they wouldn't live to see those dreams fulfilled. And then there's another death, not only natural death, but spiritual death. Your spirit that lives forever dies in the sense that it's alienated from God. And then the Bible talks about eternal death. Some of the words in the New Testament used by Christ to describe the penalty for sin is lost, perish, condemned, punishment, torment, hell. You say, do you believe that? Yes, I do. I believe the Bible teaches it. I believe whatever the Bible says is true. If Jesus said there was a hell, there's a hell. I don't like to think about it. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to preach about it. But Jesus did. He talked more about hell than he did heaven. The Bible says that Jesus Christ took your sins on the cross. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Think of being sin. That's all Jesus was on the cross was just sin. Your sins. Mine. All the bad things that we've ever done, the lies we've ever told, the lust we've ever had, all on him. On that cross. And his real suffering wasn't the physical suffering, as terrible as that was. It was the spiritual suffering. It was our sins. He had never known a sin. And all of a sudden, all of the sins of the world are on him. The Bible says the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible says who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. The Bible says Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. He died for you because he loves you. And from the cross, God is saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm giving my son for you. He's taking your place. And then... Three days later, something glorious happened. He rose from the dead. (laughs) 
Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You're never going to die spiritually.